Welcome, everyone. This is the Council of Institutional Investors Educational Podcast. I'm Ernie Barquette, a research analyst at CII. Our special guest today is Anya Clark, Investment Engagement Manager of the Workforce Disclosure Initiative team at ShareAction. Anya manages relationships with the institutional investors supporting the program, ensuring investors make the most of the Workforce Disclosure Initiative, abbreviated WDI, as a tool to engage with investing companies and improve disclosure. Based in the UK, ShareAction recently released its 2019 Workforce Disclosure Initiative, signed by a coalition of investors in the US and Europe. Broadly, these investors are calling for transparency from companies on how they manage workers. The WDI brings investors together to push for better data from listed companies on how they manage workers in their direct operation in supply chains. Today, we'll be discussing the survey's findings and their implications given the current COVID-19 crisis. If you're also interested in this topic, please take a listen to CI's recent podcast with Jeff Higgins, reviewing ISO's human capital reporting standards. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Anya, Thank you for taking the time with us to discuss this pertinent issue. Thanks for having me, Ernie. For more detail, what were the major findings of WDI's 2019 survey? There were six major findings from the 2019 uh, survey. Um, for the sake of time, I'll mention three here. But these findings can be accessed through the newly published findings report on the WDI website. So, yeah, let's jump straight in. The first finding is that companies are willing to report data on their workforce governance structures, um, but have limited information on the internal accountability mechanisms for those with responsibility of workforce matters. So what this means is we we found that while 63% of companies have KPIs associated with their non-financial performance, only 14% of them actually link fulfillment of these KPIs to remuneration policies. And this is obviously a very powerful accountability mechanism. While more companies indicate that they are trying to do this, the information we have around accountability for workforce management is still very thin on the ground. Finding two was that companies continue to be reluctant to disclose data on staff turnover, with the stability section, um, section four, attracting the least responses for the second year running. I think personally the hesitation comes partly from a fear of reputational damage if a company reports for instance, a high turnover rate. The fact is that staff turnover is a necessary part of business operations and companies should be reporting on it. Turnover provides a litmus test for a wider set of workforce issues, such as how effective a company is at retaining its workers, improving worker satisfaction and inclusivity at work. It is vital that companies are transparent about the challenges and opportunities faced in managing, engaging and retaining their workers in a way that both investors and peer companies can learn and develop mitigation strategies together. Additionally, I must add that investors who look at staff turnover rates don't look at these metrics in isolation. Um, they will look at an entire suite of a company's workforce policies and indeed a response to a survey like the WDI to understand the value that it places on workers. As one leading uh, fast retailer has told us, um, you know, yes, turnover may be high, but that is the nature of the industry. We know that many of our store associates are also in higher education and looking for part-time flexible work for a limited period. Um, and we encourage our employees to gain as much experience and training as necessary and empower them to seek both internal and external opportunities. And indeed, if you looked at the metrics for training and development for that company, you would see that. I think the third major finding is that companies report more data against a range of workforce metrics for permanent employees than for their contingent workforce. 
the WDI adopts a broad definition of contingent workers, um, encompassing contract agencies, supply chain and temporary workers. And not surprisingly, companies are less able to provide data on their characteristics and training, and even more generally on the number and, and type of these workers. Uh, this information is, is really vital for investors and companies themselves to understand uh, their risk and opportunity exposure. Well, thank you, and thank you for reviewing the report. I really encourage everyone to take a few minutes to read through the full report if you're interested or involved in this topic, full of very useful information. So the second question about it is, how is this information useful to investors? So specifically, in what ways does this information allow investors to make better investment decisions? That's a great question. Um, I guess I would start by saying, you know, value in the modern economy has already shifted to a large extent from tangible to intangible assets, including, uh, you know, a company brand, um, its relationships, IP, and the people that create that IP. This trend is reflected in company valuations as well. In fact, as much uh, as 80% of the value of a company is now calculated off balance sheets which means that not including these types of metrics runs the risk of serious misvaluation. When WDI was created in, at the end of 2016, it responded to investors' demands for standardized comparable workforce metrics that weren't being disclosed publicly. This need has only increased in recent years with increased mandatory due diligence, uh, non-financial reporting requirements, and indeed external shocks, the like of, likes of which we're experiencing at the moment. Data the WDI asks for is, a ne is necessary to understand the resilience, flexibility, and adaptability of a company and understand how it regards and treats its workers. Taking a step back from that, it is vital for investors' understanding of a company's oversight of its workforce in direct operations and its supply chain, which feeds into its appetite for and exposure for risk, uh, both, uh, yeah, both in direct operations and supply chain. Uh, finally, I would just add that, you know, uh, as an example, investors use the data in both their company engagement and also investment analysis. For instance, one of our largest European asset manager signatories is using our disaggregated data on wages and job creation to inform the investment universe of their growth impact fund. Another uses the data generated on workforce composition and compensation to inform engagement. And again, to shape the investment universe of their human capital fund. Uh, yet another, and finally, um, one is using it in a similar way in their Women in Leadership Fund. And we anticipate more investors will start integrating the WDI data into their investment analysis as company disclosure rates continue to increase. Do you feel the investor appetite for this information has changed due to COVID-19 pandemic? What new information do you feel should be available given the current situation to investors? Well, uh, anecdotally, we have heard from um the majority of WDI uh, signatories that they are engaging with companies on COVID as a priority over and above their planned engagement streams this year. Um, indeed, the focus on social issues um, is unparalleled across all industries and business models, um, direct operations and supply chain, um, including, you know, in the agricultural sector, retail, hospitality, healthcare and, and facilities management. Uh, the priorities at this time regard the regard the provision of PPE, customer and employee flexibility, uh, for example, you know, social distancing, um, benefits like sick pay, uh, health insurance and well-being programs um, are really key in this regard as well. And then over and above those kind of more um, 
uh, I guess, basic policies, it would be uh, providing relief or hardship funds for employees who have been furloughed. Um, the WVI covers a wide range of these topics already within its occupational health and safety section um, of the survey. Uh, so companies disclosing to the initiative will already be well practiced in disclosing and engaging with investors on these metrics. Um, we are adapting the survey to include uh, questions on employee benefits uh, and the provisions that companies make for employees who are furloughed as well. Um, so you will be able to see that in the questions this year. Um, the WGI survey collects and reflects many uh, of the new information requests cited in the investor statement on COVID, um, which has also been signed by a significant number of CII members. Are there any certain companies or countries that you see as standard setters when it comes to disclosing how workers are managed? And then how does the U.S. compare to other developed nations? I love this question. Um, I think there is a strong correlation here between the level of legislation and good practice and standard setting and disclosure. In Europe, workforce reporting has become more ingrained than in the U.S., I would say, which is reflected in the leading company practices in both disclosure and workforce management, which come from France. Uh, the UK, Sweden and Germany, where legislation is more advanced. Um, one leading example comes from Inditex, which is a Spanish multinational retailer. Um, when it comes to both transparency and also good practice, they are constantly trying to push the needle. Um, and the same can be said for H&M in the retail space. Both admit that they have a long way to go, but are willing to be transparent about the process. And both have disclosed to the WDI each year since its foundation. To put the US and European disclosure practice into, practices into context, um, in 2019, the, the WDI team actively engaged with over 300 companies, of which 118 submitted uh, a workforce disclosure. Of the 107 US companies the WDI approached, just 10 or 9% disclosed human capital information. In contrast, of the 181 European companies approached, 90 companies, or 50%, disclosed some human capital information. So this would suggest that the current US reporting landscape might be undervaluing the materiality of workforce issues, and by proxy, so too uh, do corporates operating in the space. Thank you. And then over the long run, how does WDI plan to improve disclosure among companies? What do you see as the next steps to get this information in the hands of investors? especially given that gap that you just talked about between the U.S. and other European countries? There is a dual aspect to the WDI. Obviously, the first is the data, um, but the second very powerful strand of the WDI is engagement. Um, and both of these strands work together to ensure increase in disclosures and that companies know that investors are reviewing and utilizing the data. If we take the first aspect, um, the survey and the data generated. We are continually continually increasing the amount of data that is publicly submitted to the WDI. Last year, we introduced a set of mandatory public questions for companies uh, which, if answered, would be automatically published on our website for anyone to download. But we still have a long way to go. On average, companies submitted 30% of their answers on a public basis, uh, which means that 70% of company data is disclosed uniquely to our investor signatories. Importantly though, by comparing a subset of companies' publicly available information against companies that took part in the WDI last year, we found that companies who complete the WDI um, survey are making a 23% more data available than those who do not complete the survey, which is a fantastic incentive for us to continue the work that we are doing. 
On the convening side, uh, we work closely with investors on their social engagement priorities each year, which are directly linked to the metrics within the survey. We convene companies and investors to discuss these topics, which helps improve investor company communication, a company's knowledge of how investors are using the data, and of course reinforces the importance of workforce reporting to companies. Um, lastly, I think it, ultimately it's important for investors to recognize that they can drive improvement in the quality of data provided by companies and that working with a coalition of like-minded investors like that of the WDI is the most powerful and efficient way of doing so. I would also just mention that if you are interested in the work um, that the WDI is doing and want to get involved, please don't hesitate to get in touch um, and we'd be glad to have a chat. Well, that concludes this podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I'd like to thank our special guest, Anya Clark of the Workforce Disclosure Initiative at ShareAction. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at Ernie at DII.org. Until next time, thank I'm you for Ernie listening Barnett. to this episode of listening. The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.